Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and today I'm talking with author and speaker Amanda Pittman on a topic I'm sure we can all relate to, and that's overcoming insecurity and self-doubt to live in God-given confidence. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so happy to be here, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Well, Amanda understands what it's like to battle insecurity and self-doubt. When she was young, she found herself stuck in a bad relationship, bad dating relationship, and unsure of how to gain love, acceptance, or validation. And she was hiding who she really was, but God met her in that place, and he helped her to view herself and really him as well differently. And in her upcoming release, Stand in confidence from seeking in insecurity to rising in your God-given identity. I love that title, by the way, from sinking to rising. Amanda shares her personal struggles with insecurity and how God helped her grow in faith and in confidence. And I know you battled insecurity and how, how did that affect your calling, your relationships with others? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So... (laughs) It's funny because I was scrolling back on my old Facebook statuses and I landed on one in particular and it said, I feel like my insecurities get in the way of everything in my Mm. life. And that was so true. There was not one area of my life that, that went unaffected by insecurity. My relationships were plagued by insecurity. My opportunities were plagued by insecurity, whether it was an insecurity that made me play small and live beneath who God had called me to be or whether it was an insecurity that caused me to strive and overwork for something that I may have already had. And so what I found was I was just looking for my identity in so many different places. I was trying to find my identity in my appearance and my sexuality, trying to find my identity in how good I am at what I do, right? I I was a musician and I I took so much pride in, in being a musician and being the best. And what I found was whenever I continued placing so much of my value and significance and worth in these areas that weren't my true identity, 
the more insecure I felt. It actually had the opposite effect. It was backfiring because it was just a never ending cycle, right? There's always someone more skilled, more talented, more well-spoken, more beautiful. Like there, it's just, it's, it's sinking sand, but it was whenever I established my confidence in Christ that everything changed, which is very interesting because I was a believer. You know, Mm -hmm. I gave my life to Christ at a young age and it was real, you know, like it wasn't one of those, you know, oh, I just, I didn't really know the Lord. I didn't know who he truly was. I didn't fully understand that. No, I understood, (laughs) you know, I, I knew the voice of God. I had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I understood the gospel, but these cares of life drew me away, right? These, these toxic relationships drew me away. And and so whenever it came to establishing my confidence in Christ, it's something that I felt like I should have already known. Mm. Um, Whenever I came back to God, I I felt as if it was something that should automatically transfer. And I think that's the struggle with a lot of Christian women today, right? Like they think, man, I know I'm supposed to find my confidence in Christ, you know, but I'm still struggling with X, Y, Z. Why isn't there that transfer? And I found that transfer whenever God walked me through a process. And this process was marked by four pillars. And I call them the four components of confidence, which is clarity, connection, competency, and conviction. And when I found those things in him, that's what made the transfer. But yeah, before then, insecurities were just like, they were like, (laughs) I, I garden. And so in our backyard, like if our, it may be like a fungus or it could be some type of bug that's eating my plant, all this hard work, insecurity was like the aphids that Mm. was just eating away at my leaves, no matter how much I fertilized, no matter how much I grew, no matter how fruitful my life was, these little bugs were eating away at it. And so, yeah, that was, that was my life. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And, you know, I'm curious. So we have a private Facebook group, Faith Over Fear. And a lot of our members, they kind of struggle with that should have, I, I should have right. done this or I should. And did that, like that just mindset, was that a barrier to your freedom and your growth and really your your sense of identity, I guess, in Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mentioned this briefly in the book, but I, I remember being in a counseling session and thinking to myself, Everything that this counselor is saying just leads me back to Christ. Mm. It just leads me back to what I already know. I feel like if I already know this and I already have this, what is this disconnect? I, you know, like so many times we feel like we're beyond Jesus loves you, Mm. right? It's like some cute saying, some little colloquialism, you know, it's an idiom and it's, it's nothing more than that. It's, And when we believe that we're just too mature for that and we're beyond that, that's when we lose sight of what matters most. And so I had to reach the end of myself time and time and time again, like realizing all paths lead to Jesus. He's the answer for it all for me to realize, yeah, I should know this, but now let's figure out why it's something that I say, but it's not something that I believe. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I had to, I had to go on that journey and, and figure out, okay, why, what is this disconnect? And for me, like a lot of that was finding my identity in places where God never put it, you know, like thinking that if someone else doesn't love me or somebody else rejects me, then that transfers on to God's love or his rejection. And so many times we do this so unconsciously and so subconsciously that, we don't realize that we're doing it, right? We we think that 
man, I am this mature believer. I should be confident. I should be further along, but you don't realize you are placing your identity in what you do, or you are preoccupied with people's thoughts about you rather than God's thoughts about you. Or maybe your approach to God, you you assume that God is this angry father because you had an angry, abusive father. However, God is a loving father who he may correct you and discipline you, but he's going to be loving and show you kindness, right? And he's in, he's not inherently angry, but he's inherently pleased with you, right? Renewing these beliefs that are so subconsciously embedded is what will make the transfer. And so I had to do that deep work within my beliefs. And I believe that your beliefs shape your behavior. So once you shift those beliefs and it becomes real to you, that's when the change happens. And that's when it happened for me. Wow. Well, I I think it's more challenging actually every year that passes with social media and just, you know, kind of the influencing culture and everybody has their pictures, your first day of school pictures, your one month old pictures. And is that something that you find you have to like keep going back to and remind yourself of? And I'm like, do, do your insecurities on occasion still pop up? Mm. Yeah, I, I believe that we're not going to avoid insecurity in this life. There's no such thing as somebody who lives life chalk free, doesn't encounter feelings of inadequacy, doesn't always feels capable, you know, always feels 100% confident. The goal is not to avoid insecurity. The goal is to have something greater than your insecurities. Um, I'll say that again. I, I really love that. Yeah. The goal is not to avoid insecurities. The goal is to have something greater than your insecurities. So, so many times we take our time trying to avoid our fears when we really just need a conviction that's greater than our fears mm. that helps us face our fears. So there are many times I do something and I'm scared, you know, I'm feeling self-conscious, you know, you know, there are times where I'm preoccupied with little things like, oh my gosh, I I hate how my skin looks. Or I said that and I sounded so dumb. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I still deal with those. Right. However, I now have tools to remind me and draw me back to what's most important and also to draw me out. Okay. Okay. So it draws me back to what's most important, but also it takes me out of, of the here and now it takes me out of this smallness. That is my perceived problem and draws me to this place where I can see like, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like an aerial view, you Mm -hmm, know, like mm -hmm. if you're like a level three person, a level six problem seems like a really big deal. Mm. But if you're mm-hmm. a level six problem, a level three problem is not a big deal. And so like having the tools to find your clarity in, in God, find your connection in God, find your competency in him and find your connection with him. That's what makes you realize, oh my goodness, what I'm dealing with is so small. And also putting the focus on someone else makes it so, so small as well. Because many times when we're really self-conscious, it's because we're self-focused. So um, it's not, it's this, this life is not about getting rid of insecurities, but having the tools to face them and knowing how to respond when they arise. Wow. That's really good. So a process really of unlearning false narratives and then learning and relying on, on truth. That's really powerful. Absolutely. In your book, yeah, in your book, you shared a time when bitterness and a false view of love, it caused you, it, it tainted your view of others. So how did that affect 
your confidence. I don't think we often think of that, like just Mm -hmm. our perception of others and our interaction with others Mm -hmm. can affect us as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So many times we just, like I said, we're so self-focused and we forget that, no, this is not just tainting my view of self, but it's also tainting my view of God Mm -hmm. and tainting my view of others. For instance, I, before I met my now husband, I was under the mentality that all men are trash. All men are dogs. Like there are no good men out there. And because of this, it's just, I, I, I project, right. I, I, I'm able to project that like, uh, in proper motives upon them or, um, in proper intentions, or I, I'm seeing everything that any man will do through the filter of your trash. Right. And so when you have these perceptions of others and you're projecting these perceptions onto others, then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're, you have confirmation bias, right? You're looking for it. So you see it. And I also realized that in my, my personal relationships, if you don't do the healing work, when it comes to maybe friendship trauma, then you'll start to think, man, every person is going to be like that. Like I had a, a friendship that ended. We went our separate ways and it was very painful, extremely painful because we were the best of friends. And when I got into a friendship with my now best friend in the beginning, I was terrified because I'm like, oh my goodness, is she going to do this? Is she going to do that? Is she going to hurt me? Am I going to ruin it? Because of this trauma that I walked through that I was walking through the healing process of. And so we need to be able to process these things with God and heal in the context of his presence so that we don't project our past onto our present, right? So that we can see people accurately in the same way that we want others to see us accurately. We need to see others accurately if we're going to live a life that's abundant. So yeah, that's, that's really was my heart behind mentioning how it contains our view of others. Because if we want, if we want to have good connections in our life, really strong relationships that lead to our confidence, then we also need to be that. We need to be what we're looking for in others. Wow. Yeah, that's really good. So in your book, and you, and you keep referencing this as we're talking to, I, I can sense just this deep relationship with Christ of him kind of leading you along mm-hmm. this, this journey. And you talk about how important it is to learn or to discern God's voice. Mm-hmm. And so how can that help us when we're in those situations or when we're maybe when we're not even aware that we're processing in a certain mm-hmm. way? And how can our relationship with Christ impact that? Yeah, I've been in this situation before and I've heard so many women say the same thing. I don't know if this is me or if this is God or if this is the enemy. I don't know. And that affects our confidence. We feel confused, right? We It's hard to have conviction about that, which you're confused about, especially if, if I think that I need to take a left but I'm not sure if if I really need to take a right, then I'm just not going to have a lot of confidence going in this direction. In fact, I may even turn around and walk in the other direction and get nowhere fast, right? And so hearing the voice of God gives you that level of certainty to know, okay, I'm headed in the right direction. He's truly the one that's leading me. This is not the voice of my deepest, darkest desires. This is not the voice of the enemy, but I'm truly being led And I think a lot more Christian women would boldly walk in their calling if they truly knew that they're being led by God. But I've heard so many Christian women say, I just don't know if God is leading me. I, I don't know if I'm hearing him. And, and I think 
the enemy capitalizes on that, you know? And so discerning the different voices, you know, I talk about that in my book, like the voice of the flesh versus the voice of God versus the voice of the enemy. If you can define and delineate these by characteristic, then you'll be able to understand whether God is leading you or whether it's another voice that's leading you. Many times, like we're led by our thoughts, our inclinations. In fact, all of the time, you know, like, so a man thinketh, so is he, right? Our thoughts lead us. And many times God or the voice of the flesh or the voice of the enemy will sound like thoughts. And so we need to say, okay, what characteristics do these thoughts take on? Do these sound like the God of the Bible that I know? Do these sound like the good shepherd? Does this sound like freedom, love, conviction? Or does this sound like bondage? Does this sound like condemnation? Does this sound like it's trying to derail me and move me further away from my purpose? God will challenge you. You know, he, he's a good father. He disciplines his children, right? But he's not going to condemn you. And so knowing these differences in characteristics is huge. And also like the voice of the flesh, like, you know, we just want to do what we want to do. You know, like we're led by our desires. We're led by what's convenient, what's comfortable. And so once you get really familiar with the word of God, then you'll get familiar with the voice of God because the word of God will never contradict the voice of God. And so that intimacy with the Lord can give you the confidence you need to know, no, it, it really is him who's leading me. And if I'm being led by God, I can have all the confidence in the world mm. because all of heaven is backing me up. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So when you talk about taking a stand, in your book, taking a stand and, and identifying your inner lies, you talk about open door events. Can you explain what those are? Yes. So many years ago, I went through this uh, book called Three Easy Steps to Emotional Healing. I believe the name of the author was like the healing mystic or something like that. Um, we can always just link it later. It's a phenomenal book. Um, it was recommended to me. And one of the things that the book talked about was that we have these events in our lives and these events, if they're traumatic, create an opportunity for messages to be sent to us, messages about what is true, messages about who we are. And these messages become beliefs. And it's really those beliefs that hurt us, right? It's not the event itself because we can heal from the event itself with some time, right? But we were not able to heal from the belief mm. that the event opened the door to without uprooting that belief. And that's what keeps breaking our heart over and over. So a good example of this could be, man, I was abandoned as a kid or something like that. I was abandoned as a kid. And because of that, I believe that I'm unworthy, Right. You can heal from being abandoned as a kid, you know, especially when you become an adult, you can care for yourself. You can marry somebody who's great, but what you really need to heal from is this belief that you're unworthy. You're not enough. You're unlovable. And so these open doors just create an opportunity for these emotions to come in and these emotions have messages attached to them. And so this concept of open doors is finding those events in your life that sent you these messages and uprooting the lies and replacing it with truth because that's where healing happens. Wow. So I, I loved, you know, just speaking of 
God guiding you in those journeys and, and kind of revealing those things. There's one statement that you made in your book that I found really intriguing. And so you were talking about the clarity with which God spoke to people in the Old Testament. Right. And you said, quote, we assume they had greater access to God, but the truth is they had less access to God. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to unpack that. Yes. <laughs> I'm so passionate about this. I'm glad you asked me that question because <laughs> my son actually asked me this recently. My son is six. He just turned six and he was in the car and he said something like miracles don't really happen. Mm. He thought that miracles were something that you know, kind of like you see in Marvel movies, like that is happening in the movie, but it doesn't happen in real life. That's how we thought about miracles. I'm like, no, 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 no. Miracles are still real today, right? This is not just like you just see this on shows and movies, or you just see this when you watch your Bible stories, right? No, miracles still happen today. He's like, really? Miracles happen today? I said, yeah. So he was like, why haven't I seen a miracle? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like good question, you know, and, and then I explained to him, you know, we need to create an op, you know, usually a, a, a huge miracle starts with a big problem. Right. Mm. And many times we don't invite God in, into that problem. And so a lot of us have that mentality of, you know, miracles don't happen today, or we don't have the same kind of access that we had to God as people did in the old Testament, you know, they saw seas parted and they saw, you know, the plagues and everything when in actuality, like, You have to actually think about all the time in between those events. Those were major events that were recorded, but people were living life, daily life without the presence of God, without the Holy Spirit. Imagine your life without the presence of God and without the Holy Spirit. Or even this, imagine your life. Let's say like we're the children of Israel and we're traveling through, you know, we're, we're in Exodus and we're traveling out of Egypt and we're just, you know, circling and doing our thing in the wilderness. Well, imagine if your only access to God was a cloud by day and a pillar by night. And only Moses had this full direct access to God when he goes up the mountain, you would feel like God is pretty inaccessible. And you've always had to have secondhand direction from God. You always had to hear from Moses first. Whereas today, When we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit is deposited into us the moment we believe and we have direct access to God. We have direct access to the Father through the sacrifice of Jesus and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we can boldly approach the throne of grace with full confidence. We can call out and say, Abba, Father, because he's our Father. And we have access to his voice anytime we pray. We have access to his presence any place we invite it. What a privilege. And so I think a lot of times we just assume that we don't have this access when we're in this place of undeserved privilege, right? Like we are God's children and his rightful heirs. And if we fully understood that, then we would have a lot of confidence walking, right? We would have a lot of confidence walking in our calling and doing what he's told us to do. Wow. Yeah. So you also talked towards the second half of the book about friendships, about our our human relationships and you incur I really loved actually how you laid that out too and gave clarity as mm-hmm. to kind of how to sift through that. But why is it important that we really prayerfully consider the people we form relationships with or mm-hmm. or maintain deep mm-hmm. relationships with? It's so vital. It is vital that you choose your relationships carefully and that you're selective. And even with the relationships that you have, 
if you have relationships that you feel like, okay, this is pulling me away from God, or this is affecting my confidence. Okay. Let's, let's establish new parameters around this. Let's create new boundaries. Let's create a new paradigm for this relationship so that I can grow. The reason why connections are so important is because we, we become those that are around us and we become what others believe about us. You know, we become what they say about us. And so who you surround yourself with is, is a huge piece in who you're going to become. Right. And you can have the voice of God. You can have direct access to God, but if you're surrounded with people who say things about you that are complete opposite to what God's thoughts are about you, then you'll inevitably start to question is God, am I really am who God says I am? Is God a liar? Right. And so it's, it's just very, very, very important. Another part of it is also being able to see yourself accurately. I'm a big believer in seeing yourself accurately, because if you can see yourself accurately, then you can be yourself and be all that God has called you to be. And many times we can't see ourselves accurately because those around us are saying, oh, you're, you're lazy, you're selfish, or even um, what they don't say or what they don't do can send us messages, right? They'll send us messages about who we truly are. But if you're surrounded with friends who see you as God sees you or as close to that as possible, then even when you're acting out of character, they can come to you and say, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Like, this is who you, I can't tell you how many times I have just been like, oh, I'm the worst. I'm horrible. And I have a friend who's saying, no, you are Amanda Pittman. You are a child of God. This is how I see you. This is what you're called to. That's a lie from the enemy. And if I didn't have that, I would still be in that place. It talks about it in Ecclesiastes. If one man falls and there's no one else to help him up, then he's just going to struggle. But when you have two together, then there's somebody else to hold them up, pick them up, keep them warm, right? So that's why it's so important to be connected with the right individuals because the right connections, secure connections are going to lead to inevitable confidence. Well, that reminds me, actually, you shared how your husband played such a pivotal role in kind of your growth and your healing and and your your mind shift. I would love if you would share when, and and I'm speaking specifically about your conversation with him about his love for you and how Mm. that was such a paradigm shift for you. I'd love if you would share that with the listeners. Yeah. I thought that, man, you're going to be lovable if you're just interesting and cool and all these amazing things on paper. And I remember my husband saying, I love you because I choose to. And that was hard for me because I just wanted to be loved for all of these amazing qualities. But then I really appreciated it once those qualities were no longer there, right? Like, like if I if if he said, Man, I just love you because your hair is so beautiful. Okay, what happens when I when I chopped off my hair and I had to grow it back? You know, or I just love you because you're just so patient and kind. Okay, what happens when I'm pregnant and hormonal, right? Like your love for me just ceases to exist. Love is a choice and it really reoriented my mentality and and showed me the way that God designed it. He didn't design love to be conditional, but more so for love to be a choice. Love is a commitment. It is a commitment to say, I'm going to choose you on the days where you seem lovable 
And I'm going to choose you on the days where you're not lovable because I have chosen to love you. And that's a picture of marriage. That's a picture of Christ in the church. He chooses us even when we run away from him. He chooses us even when we have denied him, when we grieve him, he still chooses us. It's not like the Holy Spirit leaves our body whenever we sin. No, we just grieve him while he's in our body. He stays there. He's committed. It's not like God divorces us anytime we sin. No, he's committed to us. He, he's our, Christ is the head of the church. We're his bride. He, he's not going to leave us or forsake us. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So we want God to choose us. And in the same way, we, we choose to love God and we choose to love others whether they're being lovable or whether they're not. And that really gave me a firm foundation to stand on because before that it was sinking sand. It's, it's just about being good enough, lovable enough, cool enough, worthy enough. But when once you realize, hey, I'm not enough, but I'm chosen, I'm accepted, I'm loved despite myself. And it gives you a lot of freedom. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Well, I really loved what you wrote. I want to close us with this for those who are kind of struggling with you know, how to know if it's a good relationship, how to know if it's something to invest in, something to kind of guard themselves from. You said this is on page 106. And this, I think people should put this like on their mirror and on their fridge and on the dash of their car. But you said, quote, friendship isn't friendship if you can't be yourself. And friendship isn't worth it if it costs you your freedom. And I kind of heard that as you're talking about too, like even when you're not perfect, right? That you, that just the freedom of knowing you're loved and you're accepted. And so if we're in a place where we're not receiving that, we need to be alert and prayerful, I would think. Definitely. It's important for us to assess the relationships that are already there. Like, do I feel like I can fully be myself with this person? Do I feel safe? Am I creating a safe environment for them? Mm. Am I giving them the space to be themselves? Is this relationship marked by jealousy and underlying competition? Or is this relationship marked by celebration and collaboration and believing the best? These are the types of qualities we need to take a look at because, I mean, when I, when I think about the times where I felt most insecure, it was, it was when I was in poor relationships. Mm. And so it's very important to say, okay, Lord, I pray that you show me, can you show me? how you see me and how you see these relationships Mm -hmm. and how I should view them. And there will be some that you may need to leave altogether. And I've, I've had to do that in in my life. And I am not a proponent of cutoff culture, cancel culture. I'm not a proponent of that. I believe that love bears all things, you know, love is long suffering. Love, love is patient. You know, it gives, keeps no record of wrongs, right? I'm not a, I'm not a huge believer in cutoff culture. However, if it's costing you, your calling, your purpose, your confidence, if it's costing you these things, it's too expensive. Mm. What you can do, one of the most loving things that you can do is give them the space to heal because if it's toxic for you, it's probably toxic for them, okay? Give them the space to heal. Give yourself the space to heal. And if the opportunity presents itself, consider reconciliation, but you're not going to heal in the same environment that hurt you. I think it's important that we assess our relationships and surround ourselves with people who are taking us where God wants us to be. That's awesome. Well, this has been such a great discussion and I know your book is going to be a huge blessing to so many people. Thank you for taking the time to share your stories and your insights with us. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. This was a blast. Well, to our listeners, I hope that you were able to grab some nuggets of truth and some action steps to implement. Specifically, I would challenge you to do that in the coming week. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. 
and make sure to rate it. That encourages our team and it helps others to find it as well. And I will put Amanda's information in our show notes. So make sure to check those out. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.